Cuff Radio is about to begin. Everybody loves a hero. I believe there's a hero in all of us. Welcome to Real Cuff Radio. And I'm excited tonight because we have Missy Robinson from Duck Dynasty on tonight. And we are going to talk about three things. First of all, her book called Blessed, Blessed, Blessed. And then we're going to talk about her daughter who was diagnosed with cleft and palate. And then we will talk about Mia Move Foundation. So sit back and enjoy the show. Well, Missy, I want to thank you for being on here. It is definitely a, a privilege to uh, have you on our show. Um, first, I want to say, though, I about 30 years ago, I worked as a scrub tech, and I would do help out with these surgeries, you know, with cleft palates and, and all that. And uh, But I never have seen the other side. So just hearing and reading you know, out of your book has given me some more compassion. And a lot of our listening audience is doctors and nurses. So as you're talking, remember, you probably need to uh, open our eyes a little bit because we don't see that when you go home with your baby and when all the problems and, you know what I mean, all we see is they come in, they have surgery, and then they leave. Right. Well, thank you first of all, for having me and asking me to do this. I um, Actually, I was asked a couple of years ago to speak at Harding University to their medical students, to their pre-med, their nursing, those who were interested in going into the medical field. And um, a lot of them said it, it did open their eyes from a parent's perspective. And so, um, you know, and, and I've seen kind of both sides of things in medical generalities in terms of um, working in the medical field. I'm not medical myself, but I worked for, as my book explains, a large OBGYN group here in Northeast Louisiana. I worked there for 12 years. So I'm very familiar with um, surgical procedures done on women and how that how our bodies work and when when children when babies are formed I've seen thousands of ultrasound images which always just amazed me at life being conceived and growing within an, a human being to me it's it's almost alienistic if you think about it how really cool and special it is the way that God made a woman's body to do that and so I've always been intrigued with that However, when you see something on ultrasound that concerns you and it ends up being on yourself, then all of a sudden things change. And it, it kind of sets in as, wait a minute, this was supposed to be fun and interesting and cool, and now there's a problem. So um, as a parent... Of course, that hits you differently than it does in working in the medical field. And so when I was speaking at Harding, there were a lot of things that I portrayed from a parent's point of view. And a lot of that, if there are medical people listening, is that just because that you're a doctor or a nurse, it doesn't mean you have all the answers. I I say now, they call it practicing medicine for a reason, (laughs) (laughs) because, you know, they're not God. There's only one God. And 
I always say now, get get other people's opinions because this is your body and this is your child. And you can't have too many opinions. And if medical staff, if they are offended because you'd like to get another opinion about things, that should be a red flag. You always want to do what's right for your patient and because your your patient wants to do what's right for themselves and their child. So, you know, take a step back, take a deep breath, put yourself into that parent's perspective because, yeah, you, the, a lot of doctors don't see what happens after you go home. They might see you a week later, two weeks later. But those first few days after you leave the hospital, they're life-changing <laughs> from a parent's perspective and also from the patient. Oh, I, I bet. I bet. It, 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 uh, well, I, I saw an interview with your husband, and he was just like, all I could do is cry, you know? <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. That's why, you know, it, it, I'm glad that I have him. He's glad that he has me because we kind of fill in each other's gaps and things like that. You no, know, he can, uh, we're, we're laughing, he can clean up, you know, dog throw up and dog poop much easier than he can our kids and me vice versa. I don't hesitate cleaning up after my kids, but I'm like, ooh, a dog, you have to handle that. <laughs> so, you know, we do fill in each other's gaps in terms of, um, you know, what we know each other can handle, but there's just something about when it comes to the pain and suffering of your child that's that's hard and but knowing that um, they're going to be better for it they're going to have a better quality of life it's it's really difficult to voluntarily walk into a medical center completely healthy perfectly fine um, no accident no trauma nothing like that and and you know, it's an elective surgery, yet they need this for the for for the quality of their life to become better. And so, you know, that's difficult as a parent to wave goodbye to your coherent child, knowing that they're going to come out in a couple of hours and look completely different and be in so much pain and have to deal with that. But just trusting that you're doing the right thing, because as they grow, they're going to need that change in their life to make them better. You know, something that a lot of people don't understand too is, okay, if your child did not have the surgeries, I mean, everything's exposed. It's So you talk about mm-hmm. the rest of their life, they're having sinus and nasal uh, infections. And, and I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. it's it's all exposed to the element. Right. Well, in America, there's really... I can't imagine that 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 would not be corrected to some extent, you know, um, but in third world countries, that doesn't happen. A lot of times these children are pushed aside, they're abandoned, um, they're left for dead, or they're just completely ignored, um, their medical condition is completely ignored, and they have to learn to live with an open cavity in their head. And in terms of breathing and eating and swallowing and talking and all of these things that, you know, really hinder them from having the life that they could have. And a lot of them don't live um, very long because of the choking hazard, because of the, they, they, I don't even know how to explain it to someone 
who has is not really familiar with a cleft, but there's different degrees of a cleft. And Mia's was really severe in terms of her palate. On the outside, this is why we, we did not find this out until she was 31 weeks gestation because when she slept and even after she was born, when she went to sleep, she would close her mouth and so that looked like there was just a little scissor cut on one side below her nose. And that was it. She didn't really have an open outer cavity, but boy, on the inside, right past the gum line, it was just automatic, just went to like a, a backward V all the way to the back of her throat. And it's completely open all the way up through her nose. So the first couple of weeks of her life, feeding her was a huge challenge because everything was coming out her nose if you didn't hold her straight up so that the milk could go right down her throat without um, real a whole a whole lot of trauma, and you know feeding a baby and she was tiny, so feeding a baby eight times a day, baby eats every three hours when they're little, so eight times a day for two weeks, it was just constant constant trying to make sure that she's eating right, breathing right, not choking, um, able to sustain the calories that she needs to grow before we could get in to see a doctor that could help us, you know, with that. So it's, it was, um, it was, it was life changing for us, especially after having two completely normal, healthy boys um, in delivery with no problems. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait, wait, what, what's going on here? What are we about to do? I'm not sure uh, we're ready for this, but then God says, yep, yep, you are. Well, you know, there's there's all these organizations like Smile a Child and Mercy Ship and, and just a ton of other ones that are going overseas, but your mm-hmm. foundation is the only thing I've seen really in America that mm-hmm. is, is trying to help them here in America. Yes, and that was strategic on our part because, you know, when you um, – most charities are founded out of – some sort of uh, personal endeavor. So uh, I can speak to ours being the same way. We wanted to start the Me and Me Fund because we are one of those families that we're trying to help. We were one of them. So when Mia was diagnosed at 31 weeks, we had no knowledge of this whatsoever. This was not in our family. We had we would research it, and they're like, "Oh yeah, most of this is genetic." Well, not in our case. We I did everything right. We don't I don't drink. We don't smoke. Nothing like that. I was I, I, like I was telling you, I was working for an OB, OBGYN clinic. I knew everything I was supposed to do it was on prenatal vitamins, on folic acid, tons doing all the stuff right. So why did this happen? There's we have no explanation. So. With the Me and Me Fund, we want to put as much information out there as possible. So, because when I started researching, it became I had more questions than answers. And I, I became more freaked out, more scared, like I have no idea where to go, what to do, who to call. And so, uh, and I also did not realize how huge a part of speech would be for these children because the visual aspect of when a child is born with this condition kind of takes over. So you don't realize, oh, yeah, I need to be thinking down the road quality of life, and speech is a huge uh, aspect of that. 
And so the more I learned, the more we put on this website. So when we found out um, where to go, we realized, oh, that's great. This, this, the Craniofacial Institute in Dallas, Texas is where we chose because we felt like they were uh, on the cutting edge and leading in this field. And these doctors were doing wonderful things in this field. They were being published in this. They were respected, looked up to, and we felt drawn to go here. So with that, like, well, how much is this going to cost us? They kind of laid out some things like, oh, great, well, we have medical insurance. Yeah, but we don't take that. So we're not in the network. Well, we had a decision at that point to make. Either we go somewhere else and they take our insurance or we go here where we feel like our daughter will have the best possible care in America and we choose to be in debt for the rest of our life. Well, we chose the latter because we wanted what was best for our child. So the reason that we started the Miami Fund is because we want to alleviate that dilemma for parents. And right now we're able to do that. You can choose the best that you feel like is the best for your child, and we'll help you get through all of the expenses to make that happen where it's not going to be a burden on you. And that's what we've done for families right here. We've helped 44 families so far since we started this in March of 2015, 14. I can't even remember now. And then so the last three or four years, we've helped 44 families with over $200,000 choose what was best for their child. Wow. And, you know, the, the, the neat thing now is, is it's a specialty now where used to be, I mean, every hospital kind of would, would do these type of operations stuff, but now they're, you know, actually sending them to Dallas or sending them, you know, because these people do them mm-hmm. all the time and there's new technology right. coming out and, and things are, you know, they're getting better. You know, technology's right. getting better. But you want to go to somebody that does it every single day, not somebody that just does Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I, I did I had one 30 a... years ago, you know. Right. <laughs> well, or they have, they do rotations, you know, where communities will get together and like, oh, I'm on the Cleft Lip and Palette rotation where I do one once a month or whatever. It's like, no thanks. And we actually went to, we visited a place um, that that's in another state but close to us and I mean after an hour of consultation I was like I'm feeling good about this place I think we should come here and I asked the doctor will you be performing the surgery and she said oh no this is a teaching hospital and I I looked at my cousin who was with me and I was like and we're out of here (laughs) you know when it when it comes to your child you can go teach on somebody else, but my child, I require the expert, you know, and I think that's how most parents, if they had a choice, I think they would mostly choose the expert in the field to work on their child. So that was just a no-brainer for us. And, um, yeah, definitely seeking someone who does this every day. And the, and the family, I say the family that we chose, to the team, um, we've been we've been with since Mia was 17 days old and they first saw her. But it was a, a dad and two brothers, orthodontist and surgeon, um, who basically uh, just had a heart for these kids. And all three of them are doctors and just went with everything they had to learn 
um, about this and how to make these kids' lives better. So we definitely benefited from that. We praise God and give him all the glory for leading us to that place. And now we're helping to, um, to, to lead other people. When they ask us, we'll tell them, you know, our experience. But I always say it's up to that, that parent to make that decision for that child. And um, we always want to do what's best for our child. We just need the, the best advice we can find to do it. Well, I know Julie had some things she wanted to say, but first I, I've got to ask this for all my duck hunt friends. How did mm-hmm. your husband get permission to go duck hunting the whole season? My wife was, we were laughing about the part where you're in labor and they can't get a hold of him because he's in the lake somewhere yes. duck hunting. Yes, that was a very stressful morning, I will not lie. <laughs> very stressful because uh, my delivery, and this is in the book with Reed, was so traumatic and I really actually thought and this is before cell phones and so I, I called you know Kay and I said Kay I think I'm in labor of course I'm three weeks early so I'm like I think I'm in labor but I'm not sure and, and how do we get Jay she's like well just call me back if you know for sure and so I called her back she said I can't I can't get out there to them they're they're out in the blind in the river or the pond or the slough whatever it is and I just immediately started crying. I was like, I'm in labor, and they're fixing to, they're fixing to do a C-section on me right now because coal was breach, and so we had to. And literally, they, the doctor made her first cut, and I heard the nurse say, guess who's here? Of course, I'm listening because I have a sheet in front of me, you know. And I said, you know, like, who? And they were like, the dad. I was like, my dad? I don't want my dad in here. <laughs> but uh, I just never realized. Somehow they had gotten the word to Jace, and he um, flew on four wheels to the hospital. But, yeah, the, the word permission has never really been a word that we've used when it comes to duck hunting because uh, we decided way before we were ever engaged early on in our dating relationship. He was like, I just want you to know something. I duck hunt every day of the season. So if you want this to continue, we're just going to have to get this out of the way right now. So I agreed at probably 18, 19 years old. I knew what was headed my way. So there's really no permission involved. It's just our <laughs> life and our lifestyle and you know, I don't have to love it all the time, but I don't really complain about it. But I sure look forward to the last day. I will say that. Julie? Yeah, I just think uh, in the book that you've written, Blessed, 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 one thing that stood out to me that I was telling my husband was that you made a point of not addressing too far in the future. It was like, in the here and now present, what do we got to deal with? The way you were writing it, you were just like, I refused to think about any surgeries ahead, just what you had to do right then. And I, I, I kind of, mm-hmm. I thought, man, that's a good point. Uh, especially when life gets stressful, I thought, good point. And uh, how many of us even are not really putting our all into every day? And just kind of, yeah, well, I think with me, um, you know, I can remember, you you learn a lot about yourself going through traumatic situations and going through hard times. And I I, I go back to that, and it's in this book, but kind of our, our family mantra verse, 
became Romans 5, 3 through 5, where Paul talks about um, we rejoice in our sufferings, which the world laughs at that, like that doesn't make any sense. But he explains because suffering produces perseverance, perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. And the Holy Spirit leads us to that hope. And that hope, of course, is the ultimate hope we have in Jesus Christ, that we're going to get our bodies back. We're going to live forever. And there's nothing really that can, there's nothing that can stop us from having that. But our lives can be better if we, if we go through this, this suffering and, and let, it, uh, let it enhance our lives and build our character and pursue it, persevere through it. You know, we could have quit, I guess. I could have just said, you know, balled up in, in a ball of tears and, and cried and this is not fair and, you know, um, got the closest doctor around because it's too far to drive four, out, four hours and 15 minutes every six weeks to Dallas for the last 14 years of my life. And I, I could have said, you know, I just don't want to take that on. But... There's things that you have as a parent that you think, you know what, I don't really even know my child yet. I don't know who she's going to be. I don't know what she's going to be like, but I want what's best for her. And so you kind of just dig down deep and go for it. But then you learn a lot about yourself through that process. And I did, and I've learned a lot about myself. But that first day at 17 days old, going from doctor to doctor to doctor to doctor, at Medical City Dallas and letting them poke and prod. And, um, you know, she cried a lot that day. And my parents cried a lot that day. And Miss Kay cried a lot that day. And Jace left me <laughs> during one of the early appointments that day because he couldn't take it. And I thought, okay, I'm learning a lot about myself that I'm going to have to be the one to do this for my child. I'm the mom. I have to step up. I've got to learn to take everything in, learn as much as I can, and deal with it the best that I can for my daughter. Because obviously, everybody else can't around me, you know. So, but, but one thing I did learn is that that suffering wasn't just about her. It was about the rest of us, too. We were suffering, too, and our character was being built. But I realized, okay, when they went through the entire list of what I can expect for the next 12 years of my daughter's life, who I've only known for 17 days, I thought, I, 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 can't, I, can't, I can't deal with all of that right now. I got to put all my efforts in to just the next thing. So tell me what I'm supposed to do until I see you again. And then when I get back here, tell me what I'm supposed to do until I see you again. So I can put 100% into doing what's right and not worry about it. God's going to take care of me. God's going to take care of my child. And I'm going to put my hope and my trust in him. Our situation at the time, you know, honestly, it sucks. But, you know, God is going to get us through this. And he did not abandon us. He did not leave us. And there is something better on the other side. Don't know what it is at that point. But I'm going to trust that he does. And now that my daughter is 14 years old and I can look back on that, I wouldn't change a thing. Did I want her to suffer? Absolutely not. Did I want her to be in pain and agony? No. 
but I have to trust that God allowed us all to go through that because he made her the person that she is because of the character that she has and because we've grown into the characters and the people that he wants us to be. And we've shined, tried to shine that light on him. It's because of him that we are who we are, not because of ourselves. And what a beautiful personality she has, too. Thank you. Well, do you have anything else, Julie? The encouragement then for, like she just said, about the people who are going through tough situations that somebody has to uh, pick it up and be able to walk through it and not, like she said, ball up and cry. And You, know, <laughs> you heard like, okay, right. I'm going to have to do this. going to have to. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> well, and when Jace walked out, I was like, are you serious? Are you, are you kidding me? Like, you just walked out on me? I, I mean, like, this is not happening. But, yeah, I read you know, in your book that uh, he would walk out of the hospital to the uh, trees and such mm-hmm. and have quality time out there. Right. That's right. Time and so forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I mean, I'm, I hope that, you know, that book encourages people to understand over anything else in the book that, and these are questions and these are thoughts that I had at the very beginning of this, but I've realized God never left me. He never left us. He did not forget about us. He did not do this to us on purpose. He allowed it for his, for his reasons, for some reason to grow his to grow his kingdom and for his glory. And if we figured out everything about every situation, that would make us God, and we're not God. So we have to trust in him that he will get us through Romans 8:28. He will work all things for the good for those who are called to him and who live according to him. So That is the encouragement that I would like for people to know about is that don't give up. God did not leave you and he is there with you. You just have to reach out and trust in him no matter how desperate and dark that you think your times are. What would you say your advice about your support system for people? What would you recommend them to do kind of support? Should they look for, have? Mm -hmm. Well, I I think I say this in the book too, um, if you, whatever your gift is, go, go use it. If you can cook, go take some meals after they, after your friends come home from the hospital, because, you know, you're still having to eat three times a day and feed your family and take care of your child. And that's a lot for a parent to have to worry about. But if there are friends and family that can bring food, that is just, it's, it's a huge load off, but yet one meal for one family who's you know, rocking and rolling with just regular life is not that big of a deal, but it's a huge benefit to someone who needs it. Laundry, go do somebody's laundry for an afternoon. Think about just something that um, that you can do physically to help that family get through those first few days. Um, I did say this in the book, don't come over, don't come over to my house and sit beside me and pat my back and tell me how sorry that, that you are for me. I can't handle that. (laughs) Don't do that (laughs) because I don't want that. I just need things to get done because whenever you have a child born with a disability or going through surgeries, usually nine times out of 10, that's not the only child you have in your house and your life doesn't stop. And so just some extra support and helping ease that burden of just living every day. 
is huge. And always prayer, always prayer. A text message saying, I'm thinking about you today and I'm praying for you today is an amazing blessing. Just knowing that people love you enough to bring your name to the Father, that it's wonderful. Well, speaking of prayer, would you mind saying a prayer over the mom and dad that may be going through this process right now or getting ready to go through Absolutely. this process? Absolutely. Dear Lord, we come to you today. And we come, I come to you every day and ask blessings on hurting parents, hurting families, families who don't know what to do in their situation. And there's so many families right now in my head that I know recently have been uh, diagnosed with this situation or uh, were just um, been to the first doctor's appointment and just don't know what lies in front of them. And I pray that you, first of all, give them peace and comfort and then lead them to where they can find the right answers for their child so that they can make the right decisions for their child. And I also pray that you um, urge them to reach out and get support from their local church, from their community, from the MIAMU website, from, from anywhere where they feel like they, they need that support, that comfort, because going through something like this alone, I, I can't imagine going through trauma uh, and, and tough situations without my church family and without the love and support that they give me because overall we know that that your kingdom is what is first and foremost and that we want to add to that and that you know far more than we ever will and that you love our children far more than we ever will which seems completely impossible to our human brain to know that you that you love them that much but that you allow us all to go through pain. I pray that through that pain that these parents will seek you, that they will cry out to you and call on you and look to you for advice, for comfort, and for peace. Thank you for Jesus, because you allowed your own son to go through the most ultimate pain that we can imagine. And it was all for the greater good and all for our good and for your glory. Thank you for your own sacrifice. In your precious son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I sure. you know, I told him I told him I wouldn't take too much time, so I want to make sure I keep it on a schedule here. But um, Thank you. I'm, I'm gonna say that's a wrap.